Good afternoon, everybody. It is, of course, Friday afternoon. It's February the 9th, and I am having another cozy Friday. I just woke up from, you know, usually my show comes out earlier in the day on Friday. But I took a peaceful, almost two-hour nap. It was incredible. It was completely silent. The whole time. Uh, I don't know. I just feel great, guys. But anyways, um, it was a good week this week. I got a lot of work done. And uh, there's not necessarily too much I can talk with you about. Um, mostly the theme of this week, for some reason, across all the classes, was the first uh, commandment. And basically, I learned a lot about different applications in Christian theology of... Um, the first commandment. Now, uh, the first place that I encountered this was in uh, Synoptic Gospels class. And we were learning about the deification of virtues and ideas. So, guys, what that means is uh, we were basically learning about kind of the history of pagan religion in Rome. Uh, like, you know, Basically, you know, the times of Jesus and uh, how they would worship and see as gods things like love, fate, you know, beauty, and, uh, you know, just other gods that you'd normally think of. And how um, they, to avert these forces from hurting you or to appease these gods... They would, you know, use things like magic and ritual and, you know, public things, you know, leaving offerings at the temple. Now, we were, well, sorry, back in the day, um, morality was not intertwined into religion as we think of it today. Uh, religion was literally just appeasing the gods, okay? And people only practice religion, like, culturally, socially, uh, you know, it's almost <laughs> basically what was demanded by the state. You know, you have to, you know, to be publicly accepted, you have to go and leave, you know, a basket of fruit at the, you know, the temple of beauty, blah, blah, blah. And privately, people would have their own religion, or sorry, not religion, cult. And so um, think of cult as just like the ritual practice and private practice of what we would call religions today. So, you know, privately you would worship a certain deity or blah, blah, blah. And this also did not include morality, like morality teaching. And all of a sudden there is this religion, um, you know, the religion of the, the Jews. They have this God that can't be manipulated or appeased. You know, his name is Yahweh. And he says, hear, O Israel. He's relational. Uh, and he says things like, I will be your God and you will be my people. There's no manipulating God. All right. Big G God. There is no pagan magical ritual that's going to make him, you know, blind to not see you. Nothing like that. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, this early Christianity group, as well as the Jews, they also had this element to their religion 
where there was moral teaching. You know, rabbis were teaching morals through stories. Uh, it, there was the law, uh, the commandments, blah, blah, blah. And Christians uh, were living in communities where they were giving, you know, weekly messages on, you know, how to live your life in a pleasing way to God and how to conduct your marriage and stuff like that. And it was very, you know, interesting and weird to, you know, a pagan Roman culture because pagan Roman, pagans and Romans were saying, okay, I can, I can understand why they're doing, you know, have this social element of religion, kind of like us. I can see why they have these private cultic practices like meeting together in caves and singing songs. Uh, but why are they teaching and sharing philosophy? You know, that's what you do at that, um, that place, you know, where you sit in seats with robes on and with the, the pillars and you talk to each other. You know, that's bizarre. You know, why is religion being imbued with uh, philosophical teaching? And for whatever reason, that really stuck out this week uh, to me. And also what this is related to in terms of what else I'm learning is this deitization of, you know, making a God out of virtues and ideas. And, you know, we often say in our culture, even, you know, in Christian culture, like, oh, you make a God out of, you know, money or you make a God out of uh, time commitments. But how about making a God out of simple virtues? Like, oh, you know, I just, you know, I do everything for love or for peace, blah, blah, blah. Even if it's very good sounding, it's still, you know, putting a God before God. And uh, I read the C.S. Lewis quote. Um, that says or reads, quote, there's no space in the universe that is not occupied by some kind of power. So um, this is just, you know, reiterating that, that everywhere in the universe, if there's space being occupied, someone has a God in it that they're prioritizing. So the concept that teams with this is back when it was that pagan you know, social, if you lived in this area, you had to serve this, uh, you know, made into a God virtue. You know, you ha there's a rule, you have to have a Lord, uh, you know. So if you lived, say, in this suburb, you have to, your Lord, your God has to be, you know, this goddess of love or beauty. If you lived in this neighborhood, your Lord has to be, um, you know, this god of you know violence or uh you know marriage or something and what sticks from that is you have to have a lord so no matter where you are your socio-political scale your where you're living you have to have a lord i'm saying this over and over again but you have to have a lord make it the lord so this is where it shifts to jeremiah 31 and the new covenant so what, you know, so what Israel knew God as, you know, back in the day, you know, I'm loosely speaking here, you know, God was the one who brought them out of Egypt. Um, and here in Jeremiah 31, God is saying, behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day I brought 
I took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, uh, though I was their husband. So here is his new covenant. This is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So this is huge, of course. Um, this is, what does your God do? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it used to be, you know, well, God brought us out of Egypt. He brought us out of slavery. And now it's God forgives our, you know, sins. And he doesn't remember a sin anymore. Like, he forgives us. And we know him like this this sounds incredible and then fast forward you know who who does god end up being he become he is jesus on the cross so he suffered and dies and is buried for us all right so when someone says you know even maybe pridefully well my god is you know gold and silver uh, my pride is, or sorry, not my pride, my God is, you know, my time commitments. It's my, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is the question you have to ask yourself. Did your gold, silver, sports car, time commitments suffer, die, and be buried for your sins and so that you should know them? And the answer is no. And I think that's the hardest hitting thing that I heard this week. I think it's an incredible you know, thing to ponder upon. And I really hope that you bring this into your uh, personal devotional life as I have mine. And also just a small nugget to think about uh, going on from here is, um, you know, think of the things that we desire materially in the world. We, you know, we desire uh, at the most basic levels, you know, a place to sleep, a place to rest, food, drink, um, you know, clothes that will fit us, <laughs> you know, clothes to keep us warm, a bed with sheets and blankets. And then you look forward and then you look to, you know, what do we want? Well, we want nicer clothes. We want tasty, healthy food. We want, you know, not just a bike, but a car. And then you think, you know, what, you know, what, what do I dream of? And, you know, it just gets more and more, I don't know what you'd call it, consumeristic. And then you begin to realize um, these things that we desire and make our gods, you know, these idols and stuff like that. Um, it's all it is, is mimicking what will be and is promised to us by Christ in the new creation. And I think that, um, it, it really makes me feel silly. Um, you know, just basically lusting after, you know, these worldly things. Um, 
uh, you know, when you put it into perspective like that. Because one day the streets will be lined with gold or whatever, you know. Now completely switching gears. I want to tell you about how much fun I had last Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night at the uh, Jazz at the Bistro jazz performance in St. Louis. So it's been a while since I've been to Jazz at the Bistro uh, up on North Grand in Midtown St. Louis. And I was blessed with the opportunity to go hang out with you know, two of my real good buddies and listen to jazz being performed live. Um, but let me describe to you what happened. So we went and saw this group called the Cyrus Chestnut Trio. They're highly acclaimed. It's a upright bass, drum, and jazz piano, you know, full piano, not keyboard, uh, group. And they just had a lot of energy. Um, I Though I would say that two of the members were, you know, kind of stoic, but in a cool jazz way. Uh, but the main guy who, you know, presented himself as the main guy uh, on the piano was just real smooth and cool. And, you know, just had really not good things to say. He, you know, wished us all well constantly. He hoped we were having a good night. And he really, guys, just tickled those ivories. I was uh, real happy with this performance. Um, and <clears throat> towards the towards the end when... Oh, and by the way, they were playing, like, you know, interspersedly. Uh, like, interpretations and arrangements. Well, jazz... Um, uh, arrangements of like Bach and Beethoven and stuff. It was phenomenal. But uh, at the very end, he he said, you know, for our encore guys, I'm going to do some scat. And so he did some scat. It was incredible. While the uh, drummer and the uh, upright bass guy, you know, played their thing and improv, he was doing some vocal scat. So uh, it was just awesome. So I recommend, you know, throwing on some Cyrus Chestnut Trio next time you're near a computer. Uh, and I recommend Jazz St. Louis. It is $10 for college students. So, or just students in general. And Brigida is um, on another trip with her family. Uh, they'll, they'll, they're going up in Illinois to go celebrate uh, a birthday of a family member. So that'll be fun, but... Keep them in your prayers as it is snowy up there. Even though it was like 56 degrees today in St. Louis, I didn't have to wear a coat. Um, uh, God bless them up there. And I think uh, it's time to close in prayer. Fold your hands, please. Um, dear Lord, thank you so much. Once again, as I say each week, for all the ways that you've uniquely blessed us in our lives, especially recently um, with just all the shower blessings Brigida and I have felt on our wedding planning, uh, as well as our um, success and guidance in our careers and schoolwork. Thank you for great friends. Uh, thank you for uh, great people that support uh, me and love me and the people that I love and support as well. Um, I pray that, you know, all the people who are praying with me, with me right now um, in this next week are uh, strengthened and sustained by your word, whether it be uh, from listening to a loved one talk about you or 
directly from Scripture itself. And I pray that people who are sick are healed by you. I pray that people who are sad are made happy and filled with joy through you and the Holy Spirit. And I ask for all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So have a great week, everybody. This weekend, I'll just be, you know, hanging out with people. Um, have a safe Mardi Gras. And have a blessed Lenten season. Bye-bye.